feel like I need to listen to the. Sorry, I was going to say I feel like I need to listen to the the intro music to get me in the mood. <laughs> yeah, I think it's called Seduction. That audio is it. Yeah, that's our track. Seduction. seduction that says a lot. And Sorry, I interrupted you. Welcome to episode six of Keeping On Track. I'm Bradley Williams. And I'm Adam Heath. And we are going to be talking today about mental health in the workspace. But before we get into that, um, I uh, I was wondering... It's a funny one, actually. I I want to say some stuff about things that are in the news at the minute. But it's weird because... We don't really politicise mm. this podcast, and I know we're kind of here to have fun and things like that. But I just feel that there's a lot going on in the world right now, and I feel like we should comment on that. It's funny you said that because I was going to say to you that, um, as somewhat of a podcast connoisseur, I've, I've listened to lots and lots of podcasts over the years. Um, one thing we don't do that everyone else seems to do is a little, little bit of chat at the beginning, a little bit of a how yeah. you doing, how's the weekend, mm. and uh, and you've basically taken the words out of my mouth because. Uh, yeah, normally if we picked up the phone to one another, we would have a little chat about what's going on, what's happening yeah. in the world. So uh, feel yeah. free to, to comment, mate. It sounds like you've got something yeah, on. Yeah, on... I do, I do. Well, I guess I guess I should probably caveat this by saying that this isn't, I've not written anything. This isn't a pre-prepared statement. Um, and I haven't, this hasn't been run or checked by any marketing individuals on track. So the views that I'm about to express are my own um, and don't necessarily... I'm not necessarily speaking on behalf of a, of on track as a business, um, but I feel that um, a lot of the stuff that's going on in the news, a lot of the protests, and a lot of the um, dialogue around white supremacy and the Black Lives Matters movement, um, has kind of reached an apex of apathy. I think for for those who would quote unquote consider themselves not to be affected by this and i think that lines have been drawn in the sand now and anybody who has a platform of any kind whether that's a social media platform a conversation with friends a podcast anything at all i think that we're all in a position to say um, that things need to change there are a lot of accepted forms of white supremacy and institutionalized racism going on every day throughout the world and it's not just systematic within america i think it's a global issue and a global concern and i think that we all are in a position where anything that we can do to contribute to the um the dissolving of those issues and those prejudices and that bigotry i think we should all play our part in that and and so i guess um whatever you can do in whatever way you can do it if you can positively contribute to the support and um the sustaining of 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 the black community and in and in terms of helping to eradicate these things i think that we should do that and um for what it's worth I, you know, I'm very saddened and I'm very frustrated by a lot of the things that I'm seeing going on at the moment. So, um, yeah, that's kind of some of my thoughts on that. I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that, Adam, but... I think pretty pretty conclusive there, dude. I was going to ask whether um, you sort of engage every day with the news. I know, you know, mm. if you're given for saying, I'm, I'm checking out for the weekend, I'm not going to particularly watch or read too much. 
Um, have you been keeping on top of things over the last two or three days over the weekend? Or? Yeah, yeah, I've been watching a lot of the stuff and reading as much as I can. And I only ask because I, I think if you if you checked out, you'd be you know as as as, as dire as things felt three, four, five days ago, it's even worse now, which mm. is it's hard to believe when you look at what's happening yeah. across all parts of the United States of America, it's, it's quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, well, we, I mean, even yesterday we started to get protests in London and I think there yeah. was in Milan and Berlin, I think, or some of the other cities well, that had it as well. But thus far, I don't, I don't remember seeing any of the UK police forces attacking people. No. No, not that I've seen at least, but no, uh, in America, no. that seems the standard at the moment. I think there's there's also potentially um, anger from completely different places that's that's mm. now being vented and, and shared. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, uh, it does concern me about what's going to happen later in the year with elections coming up. Mm. Uh, that people, <sighs> there's a stage almost been set for acceptable violence. I yeah. guess, yeah, and and, and the, the government and the police have encouraged and almost endorsed it in some way. It's a, a bizarre situation that we're, yeah. we're living through. Yeah, and 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 one of the other things as well is I, you know, a lot of people have been kind of in in um, try, doing it with the best of intentions, but obviously trying to maybe make this about all lives matter rather than black lives matter. And it's mm. true, all lives do matter. And, and I think that um, there is a time and a place for dialogue around racism as a general rule of thumb. But at the moment, you know, this is specifically a focus on the black struggle because, it, you know, that, that, that's something that happens. Every time you hear about, a mur you know, someone's died in custody or uh, the word execution has been used recently and, and it kind of almost is, feels like an execution, doesn't it, you know? But um, they're, they're always black individuals. They're always young young black men and, and um, I don't think you could ever sit there and go, oh, well, that person's dangerous or that person has a history of this, that and the other. It doesn't matter, you know, that it's irrelevant what someone's history is that you don't get to kneel on someone's neck until they die or you don't get to kneel on someone's chest or hold someone down while they're screaming and panicking and calling out for air um and whether or not that directly or indirectly led to someone's death that person would have been alive had those activities not taken place and and um i've got some friends in the uk who are chinese and Korean and have experienced a lot of racism around the whole COVID thing. Um, and that's a whole different discussion altogether, but that's also something we need to be looking at, not necessarily in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement, but I think we are, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, America's racist, America's got this. We've got problems in our own country as well mm -hmm. that we need to stand up and we need to, to hold people accountable for. But um, but yeah, I don't I don't want to make this politicised rant. Obviously, I've I've made my views clear, and I, and I know you obviously you know you obviously share very similar views on this, mm -hmm. Adam. And and I think, like I say, it, whatever we can do to contribute to um, this uh, this the succession of of beating this bigotry, I think we we owe it to individuals to do that. And whether that is, like I say posting things going going and, and being part of, of of a political march or you know in a non-violent protest or writing letters to our MPs or 
vocalizing in whatever way we can i think we should as long as it's intended to contribute towards that um dissolving of that of that that system of racism i think that we should we should be doing that anyway um ran over i guess for the time being <laughs> we um i guess we should we should uh we should bring our guests in don't you think Yep, let's do it. Cool. Okay, so um, join, joining us today um, from Head Torch, based in Glasgow, we've got Amy McDonald and Angus Robinson. Welcome both. Thank you. Hello, how are you? How you doing? Good, thank you. Good, good. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad at all. Um, what I love about doing these intros is that we have this, this weird 30 seconds where I have to pretend that we haven't already spoken, um, which, <laughs> which we have. Um, but now we've now the formalities are out of the way. Let's just get into this. So um, I'm just going to introduce the film for today, and then we're going to ask Amy and Angus a little bit about what it is that they do at Head Torch, and um, and and kind of we can talk a little bit about that. So as we've already mentioned, the the topic for today is uh, is mental health and uh, mental well being, and the film, as I think Adam, you've already mentioned, is is Fight Club, um, and the for those that have never seen Fight Club. It tells the story of a, a disillusioned and a disenfranchised uh, young professional who coasts through his life suffering from insomnia due to the constant jet lag of traveling around the country. And he finds himself making a new friend in a, in a strange um, character known as Tyler Durden. And the two of them very quickly form a bond that results in the formation of an underground fight club and uh, with that fight club they bit by bit start to find themselves uh, torn asunder again as uh, Tyler becomes more and more involved in, in radical ideologies and activities and that's kind of the general jux of the film. It's, there's probably a much quicker and easier way to describe it but I felt like that's in, it, this is important to the conversation to kind of have a, a broader view now I under, I know that um, obviously none of you have seen the film. We've already discussed that. I've seen the film, Brad. Yeah, oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. Then. Yeah, of course well, I have. You've seen it. Go on then. When did you see so, it last? Uh, it's well. I was I was actually just going to say we should probably flag as well. This is a you know a film of some heritage. Now this is twenty one years ago, nineteen ninety nine. Mm. It's crazy to think, but it but it is. So that's a long time. Yeah. Um, culturally speaking, um, and I reckon I saw that probably. 2005 or something you know five six years after it came out probably and i've seen it a couple of times since um it's a you know a, a stunning piece of work like i always said at college that i wasn't interested in watching movies that film students were supposed to watch and i would actively avoid those movies um i feel like this, this became the kind of almost a, a more recent version of that you know film students probably should mm. see it because there is something to, to learn from it and and I did relent and I watched it and it, an incredible and, and striking piece of cinema. I love the way that you said, of course I've seen this, as if that's like your kind of, <laughs> as if that's your general rule of thumb. Of course I've seen this movie. Yeah, but okay. yeah, fair, no, fair it's, it's, it's a cultural <laughs> touchstone, isn't it? And um, yeah, and, and the reason that we chose that is obviously because the film um, has certain elements of it around mental health and mental illness and um, the, 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 you know, the spoiler alert, I'm sorry, Amy and Angus, if you haven't seen the film, but the spoiler of this is that near the end of the movie, we, we realise the narrator, and, and, and I'm going to use the name Jack, because there's this whole thing about he reads these articles of, I'm Jack's appendix, I'm, 
time Jack's colon, and so he's almost inadvertently known as Jack. Um, fun fact, I think it actually comes out that his real name is Sebastian or something in a sequel that Chuck Palahniuk written, but we'll call him Jack for now. And um, it turns out near the end of the movie that, that Tyler Durden is, is actually a figment of his imagination and that he's created Tyler Durden to escape the mundanity and the isolation of his own existence. Isn't there a, an element that Tyler Durden's who he wants to be? The yeah, kind of he yeah to be. He kind of, it's like a projection of mm. who he thinks he wants to be. And um, obviously that's a very extreme and Hollywoodized version of, of um, schizophrenia or multiple personality disorders, etc. But the, the, the underlying thing about the film is that it is about dysfunctional people who are angry at a world that they can't find a place in. And there are moments in the film where he is in a corporate environment and he has a boss and the boss kind of sees him coming to work with like a black eye or blood on his shirt or, you know, he's got his teeth are broken and, and, and he's kind of spitting blood and he's, many, and he's being very, 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 very wayward. But the boss never does anything about it, really. He just kind of treats him like, oh, you're, you're an idiot and, and all these sorts of things. But um, so that's kind of why Fight Club has, has been used in the context that we're using it today because... Obviously, Amy and Angus, I know that uh, Head Torch, you do a lot of work with businesses around um, helping and um, supervising individuals and looking after their well-being and mental health. Is, uh, is that a fair kind of summation of what you guys do or would you maybe prefer to describe it in a different way? Um, well, we, we aim to enable businesses to create cultural change really so it's about creating a, a mentally healthy culture so it's a it's looking at it um as, you know as the from the as the business as a whole um how are you how are you caring for each other how are you looking after each other what's your um you know what's your ethos when it comes to supporting each other's mental health how important do you do you place that within your organisation? If, if if somebody walked into your into your organisation right now, what would they notice in terms of how people are supporting and looking out for each other? Um, and then, so from that respect, it's about it's about working with. Ideally, we would work with everyone within an organisation, and we start at the top because you've got to get that that bit right. You know, working with your senior uh, the senior team on board mm. so that they get it. Um, and then it's about enabling people to have supportive conversations and look out for each other but knowing that they are not doctors or counsellors and 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 you know that's not why they're in the job they're in mm -hmm. and that's not what they're that's not what we're saying they need to be absolutely the reverse of that it's about saying just be a human being and look out for each other and, and then signpost people on to to the correct or to to possible support options that they could that they could um, follow up with and and so in in regards to that what are some of the um are there sort of common things that you come across or sort of common elements that you teach and educate people around or is it very much bespoke to each each business that you work with i think at the at the core we take a very proactive approach to mental health so i'm the analogy we make is that if you put somebody on a, the roof of a building, you don't wait for them to fall off until you do something. You prevent them from falling off. And mental health at work, we think, is the same. So if you 
if you put people under more pressure, you expect more for, from them, you have less resources and so on, there's a, there's a possibility there that you'll have a, some kind of workplace stress um, event. So it's about being proactive and uh, that's about, you know, it is about getting the culture right, um, but it's also, um, you know, we do we talk a lot about mental fitness as well, and um, so people intuitively know how to be physically fit, whether you do it or not. But everybody knows how to be physically fit. Not everybody knows how to be mentally fit, and um, so we, you know, we are proactive. We take people through being mentally fit. And um, that whole self-care thing about looking after yourself and, um, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, some of the keystones, if you like, of what we do. And also, it, it's very much about empowering people to have conversations with others. Um, there's there's um, really, I think it comes from lack of knowing, you know, people think people get are scared of having a conversation if they spot someone struggling. So we basically demystify that whole that whole thing um, so that people understand that actually it's it's actually just about having a, a, a supportive conversation with someone and you're not there to fix it. Mm. Um, so a lot of the keys, keys, yeah, keystones of what we're delivering is simply about how do you spot signs when somebody's struggling and how do you have that supportive conversation and then what are the support options you can signpost them on to and that and it's giving people real practical skills that they that they can use on a on a day-to-day basis so it's interesting you say about um about listening to people um because in in fight club there's a scene when uh that jack meets marla singer for the uh, and they kind of talk for the first time and there are a group. Um, I think it's. I think it's some sort of uh, cancer support group, and they they're trying to confront each other, but whilst cuddling, because everyone in the room cuddles with each other, and it's that support network. And so they're kind of from an outside perspective, they look like they're supporting each other, but internally they're bickering about, oh, you know, you're you're stealing this away from me. And she says, why do you do this? And he said. I don't know. I think it's because people really listen to you instead of waiting for their turn to speak. And that's interesting because that fits into what you're saying is that he's in a crisis. He's, he's, he has, he's physically unwell. He's got this insomnia. He's mentally unstable. He's, he's crying out for attention. He feels isolated. He has an inability to connect with people and he just wants someone to talk to someone to, to sit there and listen to the things that he has to say. And he doesn't get that in any environment. So I think that on that assumption then, could we suggest that sometimes maybe the workplace may be one of the only places or one of the few places then that with this kind of correct mentality in place that people might get that as the only opportunity to speak about some of the things that they're facing? Yeah, I mean, for some people, work can be a real, you know, there can be absolute chaos going on in their in their life outside of work and work can be the place where, you know, the sanctuary for them. And yeah, it might be a place where, they feel more in control, for example, of what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, um, and they might have people there that they can that they can go and speak to and, and be listened to. Um, but I think you know, li- listening is such a is such a powerful tool um, to help and enable others to talk about what's important to them, 
Um, but it's also a constant reminder, you know, because we're really good at jumping in and saying, oh, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and that happened to me before. This is what happened to me, blah, blah, blah. You know, and you take it to yourself where actually it's these kinds of conversations. You have to put your own ego to the side. It's not about you. It is about the other person. Um, and it's all about, you know, listening and asking open questions and, and being with them and let them talk about what they need to talk about mm. in their own opinion. Yeah. As, as um, real kind of fans of, of film and, and cinema and TV and, and film geeks that me and Brad are, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what influence or impact cinema, TV has on, on the kind of conversations. Does, does Hollywood help? Um, you know, bring to light some of these issues and help people talk about mental health issues or, or, or does it have the reverse impact, in fact? I think what is helping is, um, at the moment, people are talking much more openly about their mental health. And, um, you know, especially since, uh, you know, we've entered this pandemic, um, yep. there's a lot more talk about mental health. There's a, There's a lot of concern about it at the moment. But there's also people talking about self-care, looking after yourself. And um, so that, that if one of the positives that has come out of the pandemic, it is um, this whole thing about the, um, you know, people talking more openly about mental health and being more willing to seek support. I think in terms of, you know, Hollywood and films and things like that, um, I guess, yes, you see people struggling, you see them fighting a fight and, uh, you know, coming out of that um, is a bit uh, of a formula. But, um, you know, that's, again, it it demonstrates, you know, usually the bad things that are happening are temporary things. That's not the way life is. It's usually a temporary thing. And that's one of the messages that we go over to people is, you know, you're having a bad time, um, you know, and it's about digging in, it's about getting support, it's about talking about it, having somebody there who will listen to you. But that is a temporary thing as well. The bad time is a temporary thing. You know, there's better times ahead of you. That's an important message to go over too. Because I know that you, uh, maybe as an an offshoot of that, I know that you guys have almost embraced film and, and certain types of media within your solutions and the things that you put forward. Um, I know we were talking a little bit about this the other day when, when we did our introductions, but um, Amy, I think, is am I right in thinking that you're, is it yourself or one of your colleagues that, that's uh, a bit of an amateur actor and has been producing some videos um, within, <laughs> within the context of, of some of the training courses that you provide? Yeah, well, I take, I take um, not offence, what's the word? Not not quite as strong as that to the amateur bit there. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a there, to be honest. Um, what? Um, yeah. What? Um, so my back my background well is very eclectic, but it includes uh, theatre and education, and okay. so uh, using drama as a tool for learning is really really powerful I mean you know since time began we've been learning through stories haven't we Mm. Um, and it's about engaging people uh, you know hearts and minds and 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 also so when when people are touched you know when when it makes something makes them angry or sad um, or frustrated or annoyed that can be a really good motivator for change so when they're 
when someone's when you're watching a drama and you're you're connecting, empathising in with that anger, that sadness, um, whatever's going on, that is the motivation for you to go, you know, that's that's not right. That's that's kind of things happening in our office. And mm. I don't agree with it. And, I, and that has to change. Mm. And also I can see the impact that that's having on others. I can see the detrimental effect it's having on others. So we use drama very much as a stimulus to engage people and consider, you know, the impact of what's happening on others and how they can do things differently, as well as using it for um, for real for real time practice in having conversations so that people feel really confident when when they've left the sessions that, OK, so I practiced it with that, um, you know, with that character in that situation. I've had a go. It's not as difficult as I thought it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I rescind what I said then. I won't say amateur. I say you are a professional actor with a rich history in the medium. Um, so I apologise for that. Um, so it, could you kind of tell us then what what? Um, so I, I'm an organisation. I approach Head Torch and say we'd like you to come in and, and talk a little bit, you know, to, to our individuals or to set up a program for us. What what does that conversation look like, and where do things go from there? Do you have to kind of are there certain topics that you cover do you just cover a broad range of things do you ask if there's any specific issues that are arising in that company that that can be head up head on what's the sort of what does that conversation look like first of all it's about understanding the the company the organization mm-hmm. and understanding where they are because you know that is very very varied right across the world that is incredibly varied um you know, some people, some organisations are doing it really well, others are not doing anything, and then there's a whole lot in between that. And um, so it's about understanding that. We then have different solutions for different levels within an organisation. So Head Torch 11 is for the guys right at the top. Uh, we have Head Torch Aware and Head Torch Works for line managers. We have Headway for the shop floor and direct staff. Um and um, you know, so it's it's, and that's just a snapshot of what we've got. And it's it's really important that that is tailored to the audience. Um, the guys at the top of an organisation are looking for something very different um, from, let's you know, the line managers. The line managers need very different skills from the the people they're managing, and so on. You know, so it is all tailored to the different layers within an organisation. Are there any particular topics or mental health concerns that you find arise more? So, do we look? Do we are we dealing more with common common elements of depression, or are there are are there things that you know people are experiencing more often and, and are more common in the workplace, or is or is it still a very broad, generalised term for? you know, for example, anxiety and, and, and all the different areas that that can cover? Or, or do we find, are you finding that there's, that, that actually, you know what, we can almost pinpoint these three things are the biggest concerns right now. Where, where, what are you finding from that side of things? Well, definitely there has been a, a threefold, probably more increase in, in um, the rise in anxiety and depression mm-hmm. in the workplace. Um, it's really interesting, actually. We we do a, a conference once a year, and um, Professor Ewan McDonald from University of Glasgow he spoke at one of those events, and he talked about the fact that, 
you know, now the main reason for absenteeism is stress and anxiety. It used to be muscular skeletal but now it's it's um sorry it's anxiety and and depression Mm -hmm. and he talked about the fact that actually up until sort of late 80s early 90s when you went to the doctor and they said uh, and said um you know i've got a sore back the doctor would say go home and you know lie on a lie on a wooden board um for three weeks, yeah. So you would actually you would rest your body, but you would also rest your 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 mind, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the doctor changed, didn't he? And he said, "What? Well, what did he start telling us to do? He started telling us to to continue working. You got so back, keep moving around, keep going to work. So you never actually got that rest." that, um, you know, your mind never got the, the rest that it used to get. So that may be uh, one reason. Obviously, there's te- rising technology and all sorts of other things going on as well. Uh, but there's a distinct, there was a distinct change around about that time in terms of what was the biggest reason for absence. Um, having said all that, our focus when we are going in is not about diagnosing people and it's not about encouraging others to go around diagnosing people uh, our the focus is very much on so you spot the signs that somebody's struggling and we do a kind of big brainstorm on that and it's amazing how much we notice in others when they're not you know when something's not congruent we notice it sharply you know mm-hmm. um, so it's about understanding spotting those signs and and being able to have a conversation regardless of whether somebody's um, got stress or they've got um, clinical depression, they're, um, they have bipolar, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's simply about having a conversation and, you know, and enabling people to do that in a supportive way. At the end of the day, our big goals are cultural change and behavioural change mm-hmm. and getting organisations so they are culturally healthy, yeah, and, um, and that is, you know, both physically and mentally, um, we are obviously focused on the mental side of that. Mm. And then also behavioural change. So what happened in the past, what was acceptable in the past is no longer acceptable. And um, there's big benefits to doing this. This is not fluffy. It's not nice to have. It's really, really important. Uh, financially, there's a payback and a really good payback. Um, productivity increases. Uh, organisations that treat mental health seriously uh, re- attract talent, they retain talent. Um, also legally, and this is becoming more and more important, um, you know, mental health at work is already covered by the Health and Safety at Work Act and the Equalities Act. And the Health and Safety Executive are now investigating organisations where there is a case to answer, where, where mental health has been treated really badly in organisations. That's a game changer. You know, that's the difference between, um, you know, oh, so-and-so's going off with stress. We've lost that person for 60 days or whatever it is until they come back. But now if the health and safety is out coming in and actually investigating that, that's a complete game changer. Um, you know, and it's, it's, so there's lots of really good reasons why this is really important. And it also is a priority for organisations to do. Jeff McDonald, he's a former global VPHR at Unilever, and he's one of our senior advisors. He now does all things to 
um, eradicate stigma of mental health at work. And he talks about vulnerability being the biggest form of, of courage. Um, you know, there is strength in there's strength in diversity. And, and that somebody, if you've had experience of mental ill health, you know, you're very likely to be bringing incredible qualities into the workplace, you know, of empathy, of understanding, of knowledge, of, of caring, of the ability to, to spot signs of um, ill health in others and so on and so forth. So it's very much about creating that culture that, that celebrates um, that diversity, you know, the, the fact that we all bring different things from our own life experiences. Mm. Um, yeah. In the circumstances that you've discussed, that if if Jack's employer in Fight Club were in similar circumstances, he probably would be investigated for malpractice or <laughs> something because you know he's got there's there's photocopies of like Fight Club rules. These guys come into work with black eyes. There's a whole scene where he goes on this rant about oh you should be careful. Jack says to him about oh whoever wrote that might be a nutcase and might snap and come to work and shoot everybody and having all these conversations. And then it culminates with him going into his boss's office and beating himself up in the office and blaming it on the boss and then getting made, you know, essentially being put on furlough, as it were. And, uh, and, and all of that comes from the fact that the boss fails to... He recognises that there's issues, but fails to do anything about it and fails to help. And, and maybe the movie might have had a very different outcome had Jack received the support that he needed to in the workplace. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the be and end and the only place that we can receive help. But we spend a lot of time at work, don't we? And I think if our colleagues and our co-workers and our, and our uh, bosses are going to notice in us when we're not right, when things are off kilter or when something's not quite as it should be and, and we and the days of ignoring that or writing that off or expecting someone to work past it are long gone. Right now especially, I think that the message to organisations is the importance of, of talking to each other and especially having one-to-ones and regular one-to-ones. So whether that's with your team or with you know manager to to um, the team members, because you know, it, in order to spot signs, in order to understand how someone's really do, doing, you re- you really need to know that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to know what's going on. And so, yeah, I would just say talk, keep talking. And you know, it's about chatting. It's not all work talk. It's about chatting about how are you doing, what's going on. Yeah, um, just to check in with people. I would also add is about um, perspective, and uh, and that that is again really important at the moment, and you know it is given if you're going to do something like say you're doing a big presentation or you've got an exam or whatever, it's normal to feel anxious. You should feel anxious, yeah, because it's going to motivate you. Um, when I'm riding my mountain bike down a really steep slope, I feel anxious, and that's normal, yeah. Uh, is safeguarding me, it's preventing me from doing things which are going to hurt me. Equally, if something you know has bad has happened in your life, it's normal to feel down about that. Yeah, that's normal. But equally, that can be a signal to change. There's uh, research coming out saying that um, you know feeling down about something is part of human evolution. That's one of the things that's driven us forward, and. Um, you know, it's when those things become chronic that there is there is a, a problem, you know, that uh, needs needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. But it's about, you know, understanding these things and recognising them, about talking about them, 
and um, you know taking positive action on them. Can I just check? Can I just ask? I'm, I'm imagining that, that some organisations or businesses might potentially fall into the trap of feeling that they need to do some kind of exercise today, would do a kind of mental health initiative programme, but but miss the kind of long-term commitment that's probably required. Is, is, is that the case, that, that you could fall into the trap of thinking you can have a kind of uh, a quick fix today and then it, it goes away and actually we need to, to think more long-term? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, as Angus said earlier, every every organisation really is at a different place when it comes to supporting mental health. But it has to be the the long term picture that's in yep. that's in mind. There's, it's not it's not a quick fix, um, and it's not a one off. You know, it's not a you know doing something nice on one day will will do you for the rest of the year. We've got men, we've all got mental health 365 days of the year, so um, it needs to be supported. Um, Equally, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a it's a journey, uh, and the way we look at it, it is a journey. And if you think about where physical health and safety was, say, forty years ago, um, you know, it's now in a completely different place. You walk past a building site, they quite often have a sign up saying how many days they've had accident free. Yeah, mental health is also on that journey, and is at a much, generally speaking is at a much earlier stage of that journey, yeah. yeah that's, that line's going to stay with me after this, I think. We've all got a kind of state of mental health, 365 days of the year, and that's, that's going to stay with me because that's a, a revelation to think of it in those terms. Good. Well, thank you so much for, for your contributions today, um, Amy and Angus. And if, if people wanted to learn a little bit more about Head Torch or get in contact with you, what, what would be the best way to do that? Sure. Um, they can come to our website, uh, which is headtorch.org, and uh, they can contact us through there. <coughs> Excuse me. And we're delighted to speak to, to folks about what they're doing, what they'd like to do. Um, yeah, and to, to let them know a little bit more about what, we're, what we deliver and how we do it. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. That was great. And enjoy the sunshine, won't you? Yeah, <laughs> you too. Later on. <laughs> All right then. Take care, guys. Okay, Thank you so much. Guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 It's really interesting having had that conversation, and I feel uh, almost a bit silly, maybe, that uh, Fight Club was, or, or seems to have been, for me, the, the kind of first film to address mental health I'm, I'm sure that's not the case but mm. it felt like for I guess at the age that we were when we saw it it was suddenly a film about mental health mm-hmm. um, uh, and actually listening to the guys talk as eloquently as they do about this this topic um, Fight Club isn't by any stretch of the imagination a film f- about mental health or for mental to learn about mental health it, it's just a film that happens to, to touch on it do you know what I mean mm-hmm. I feel like I'd feel I'd feel wrong to say oh, if you're interested in mental health, go watch Fight Club because yeah. that, that isn't what it's for. That's yeah. Um, but an interesting exploration of some of the issues for sure. Yeah, well, it, I think it, it, what makes Fight Club a strange beast is that, um, like I said earlier, on a surface level, it's a very angry millennial mm. sort of. I mean, oh, is it millennial generation X? I don't know, but. You know, it's that sort of turn of the century. We feel lost. We don't know where we stand. We're angry. We just want to do something so that we leave an impact on history. And 
so you've got that at surface level but I do think and I think even Chuck Palahniuk said it it's just a film about lonely people and mm -hmm. actually it's about searching for meaning in your life and you can't fill a void with empty gestures you can't you know if you don't feel alive there are healthier ways to experience life it's not just oh you know i want to have a fight because it will make me feel better about myself because i actually for, i felt some adrenaline and for 10 minutes or five minutes i felt something before i went back to the numbness of my daily life if you're in that position then there, there's there's a wider issue there that needs to be addressed it's not just uh do this and and that and ultimately i think that is the core message of the movie which is why he he gets rid of tyler because tyler's dangerous tyler's tyler represents unchecked narcissism and aggression and um blame culture he, he he's very much um a hindrance to jack's development as a human being which is why he ends up with marla at the end of the movie and i think that there's there's something to be said about that. And and I guess we like I, I saw Fight Club when it first came out. I, I felt really proud. I was 16 years old. I felt really proud. I'd managed to sneak into an 18-rated film. I sat there and watched the film. It blew me away. And I was like, oh, wow, this movie speaks to me in so many ways. And I, you know, I've, I've watched it through the years, and, and it's been a few years since I've watched it last. And then when I watched it the other day, I actually felt, wow, this movie doesn't really speak to me anymore. It doesn't, it actually feels weirdly dated. Like the, the values that it carries seem to feel not part of society anymore. Fight clubs become this carbon dated piece of cinematic history that we can reflect on and go oh, isn't that nice wasn't that a fun film but it but now but i and I, but I think the only thing that stays current is the like you say the mental health element of it what, what a year by the way 1999 was for movies because <laughs> yeah. you're talking about identity uh and alongside fight club the matrix yeah. 1999 yeah about reality i guess the modality yeah. of life mm. uh also Another of my favourites, being John Malkovich. Yeah. Um, yeah. Identity. Yeah. You know? The obsession um, with celebrity, and once again, an, an empty character who projects himself into someone more meaningful. Yep. Yeah. I find it crazy that all those three films, and and many more as well, obviously, uh, all, all landed at the same time. Yeah. Um, interesting and, and not not surprising, perhaps, that yeah, that, that film can reflect um, cultural twists and turns and kind of sentiment. Uh, and that was a time for those movies. Um, I, w I wonder whether, because they're approaching the millennium as well, there was a lot of existentialism kicking yeah. about. I read as well that um, uh, when Chuck, how do I pronounce his surname? Palinuic. Palinuic. Uh, I, I read that when when he was um, inspired to write the, the the book Fight Club originally, uh, he'd been on a camping trip yeah. uh, and had an had a physical altercation. Uh, and when he came back to work and he was bruised and swollen and, and uh, very visually, um, uh, you know, had been in, in an altercation, uh, his co-workers just completely avoided asking about what happened or why or, or digging into anything in his private life. Right. And that, that was a kind of inspiration for, for writing Fight Club. Um, and I find that fascinating how, how, how true to life, I guess, what Fight Club's showing is to, to his experience, actually, is that, mm. yeah, people were, were going to, see physical signs of, of some kind of stress strain whatever it might be in this case it was a physical altercation yeah. uh, and and yeah. choose because that's his private life to leave it and not ask and what if they had asked what if they had kind of um 
reached out and, and tried to be a you know someone to listen that could completely change the course of someone's life. His name is is pronounced Paulinick, so I pronounced it completely wrong, Paulinick. <laughs> so for the record, okay. I've mispronounced his name for the entire podcast, uh, and it is Paulinick. It's okay. No one, no one will hold you. No, I, and I doubt that that Chuck's even listening to this podcast. Uh, but if he is, put you know, Chuck, I'm sorry, bud. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where are we placing Fight Club in your uh, league table of, of cinematic masterpieces? I think as a, as a narrative piece of storytelling, I think it's still, still you know, a very interested and engaging film. I think stylistically and visually it's, it's amazing and, and obviously you'd expect nothing less of Fincher at the kind of pinnacle of his, his, his creative output. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to slap a four on it. I'm going to slap a I don't four know if I can do that, Brad, because everything gets a four with you. No, no. Because it's not an amazing film anymore, or it's you could argue good. ever. But I wouldn't it's say that, it, that it's, a, it's an, a mediocre film. Like, I, I, I use free for a mediocre. So you've given Uncut Gems, Contagion, Romeo and Juliet, and Fight Club all four? N- no, I think Contagion got a four, and then Romeo and Juliet got four and a half, didn't it? Is it? And Uncut Gems? I think Uncut Gems got a four and a half or a four. I can't remember now. All, I, all I'm saying is, like, listen, if a film is brilliant, then it should be recognised as brilliant. But if a film has room for improvement, but it's not just average, then four seems to be the most appropriate place for it. Okay. So, um, yeah. Let's see, when we get to ten, if, if, they, if they're all... <laughs> if they're all four. But then I'm picking the films, right? So I'm not going to turn around and say, hey, look, should we... Uh, should we go and watch um, Trolls um, and then get to it and go, oh, it's a two-star movie? I, I did that with Enter the Dragon, but that I genuinely watched Enter the Dragon and realised as I was watching it, wow, like this is that was that was by accident. I, I picked it after I was watching it and thought, wow, this is um, okay. this is not a great film. But um, I shall I shall try to pick something more middle middling of the road. Actually, next week, why don't you pick a film? I've actually got a, a little, a little something that I think <laughs> and I'm going to purposely give it a three star. <laughs> no, I won't. If it's good, I won't. Or if it's crap, I won't. Sounds good to me. Cool. I'll work on it. Okay, lovely. Right, well, my friends, have a good, uh, have a good rest of your day, won't you? And uh, keep safe. And I shall speak to you soon. Till next time. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.